Here is a hearty welcome from the management club, big and warm enough to get you through this chilly day. To say that we are not thrilled about your presence is surely an understatement. Today on TMC Perspectives, we have with us Professor Aravind Panikar. He is an MBA and has been involved in marketing and strategy roles with various organizations. Uh, moreover, he is a faculty in areas of marketing and entrepreneurship with our university since 2013. He was previously engaged with various organizations like Piraman Healthcare Limited, where uh, his last held responsibility was uh, that of brand manager, after which he was engaged by Yash Birla Group as a member of the strategic planning team. Very, very old history, Rashid. <laughs> Yes, he also operates as a consultant based out of Ahmedabad advising startups on strategy and marketing. So, sir, we are so much honored to have you with us uh, on the TMC Perspective Platform. We graciously welcome you. Happy to be here. Happy to see that you guys are doing a lot of good work and uh, whatever small way in which I can contribute, I'm more than willing to do that. Thank you so much, sir. So, quite a, yes, sir. Quite an energetic introduction for me. I, I, no, I'm not really, uh, how do you say, enamored by a lot of the things that you have said. Have you said? But yes, that is. <laughs> so the theme we'll discuss today is the next headache of India: the distribution of coronavirus vaccine with. Such mass population, it is surely a challenge. So we would like to begin with the podcast. Samit, now over to you. So uh, the coronavirus pandemic has created boundless challenges for each and every business. The importance of supply uh, chain management and logistics was pointlessly highlighted during this period. From a business perspective, what are some crucial challenges in logistics? Well, <clears throat> well, starters, most countries went into lockdown, which essentially meant that all businesses just simply shut down. But you had to keep the essentials flowing in, which meant that some people had to be risked at all times. Um, Transportation employees had to be involved irrespective of the risk that they were taking. And that was something that is, uh, I mean, not humane, but it was needed. And uh, you have to give credit to them and to the private firms that were involved in the whole exercise to ensure that people during the lockdown did not suffer too many shortages in supplies. Obviously, there were shortages. See, I mean, it's very... Well, it's very easy to actually sit back now or even then and come back and say that the government should have given people more time and, you know, we should have planned it out better and this and that. But you also have to understand that this is an unprecedented situation. It's not like there is a, there is a rule book to follow here. It's not like, uh, I mean, unfortunately, we have playbooks for uh, wartime. We have playbooks for... Uh, droughts, earthquakes, we have playbooks for famines, we have playbooks for all those kind of desire, natural disasters that happen. This is in a sense a natural disaster, but it was kind of unprecedented. Nothing of this sort has been faced 
in a many in many many years i mean we've had uh, obviously we've had problems in the past um, but not nothing at this level we have there have been health issues or health scares also in the past i mean when i was a kid there was a major uh, plague uh, plague outbreak that had happened in uh, surat and uh, certain parts of gujarat but again it was not national in nature um, you had uh, other illnesses which have uh, been countered by government through various mass level vaccination program whether it is tb whether it is cholera whether it is uh, uh, other uh, have what you call fatal diseases they have all been countered uh, but none of them was as uh, as complex or as sudden as this one right cholera had been around for a lot longer malaria had been around for a lot longer plague was had been around for centuries we knew what to do with the corona virus uh, or other covid 19 it was so sudden i mean till till january end of january actually i don't think many of us were even aware of something of this sort happening somewhere in the world it was only in february that we started having one or two cases in india and we were like okay you know it's going to take some time and you know it's not going to affect us i mean i personally i can say this the lockdown came in on what the 23rd or the 24th of march i was out and about till about the 15th of march myself i mean i was traveling till the 15th of march and uh, not really taking any precautions if you will it's not like i was carrying sanitizers with me or face masks with me or anything of that sort so the government had to do what it had to do in terms of a sudden lockdown the if you really wanted to come back and question the planning then you would come back and question the planning of saying that okay the lockdown was needed absolutely no question about it we had to do the lockdown and the way it was executed was okay yes it did create a few issues but i think the bigger challenge was not so much in terms of the lockdown but in terms of how do you how do you restrict the spread of the virus but it was kind of unprecedented nothing of this sort has been faced in a many in many many years i mean we've had uh, obviously we've had problems in the past um, but not nothing at this level so the government had to do what it had to do in terms of a sudden lockdown the if you really wanted to come back and question the planning then you would come back and question the planning of saying that okay the lockdown was needed absolutely no question about it we had to do the lockdown and the way it was executed was okay yes it did create a few issues but i think the bigger challenge was not so much in terms of the lockdown but in terms of how do you how do you restrict the spread of the virus right and how do you how do you create treatment mechanisms or at least care not necessarily treatment because i don't think there is still treatment uh, well established treatment for uh, covid although there are some now widely globally accepted practices of treatment uh, but what to do when patients are positive what to do how to how do you know whether somebody is positive or not well conduct a test but how do you go about conducting test for 1.5 billion people i mean that's that's humongous one is that then the other bit is okay once you know that there is a certain level of spread of covid in a particular geography in a particular area or whatever it is how do you tackle that how do you ensure that the patient is isolated how do you ensure that the contact tracing is done how do you ensure that there is some level of uh, you know reduction in the spread of the virus those were things that could have been done better but you know hindsight is always 2020 you can always sit back at an event 6 months later and say acha mujhe ye nahi karna chahiye tha 
या मुझे ऐसे करना चाहिए था इट्स वेरी इजी टू डू दैट कुछ गवर्नमेंट है and some of the credit for that also has to go to the governments both the national and various state governments as to how they have gone about handling it uh so the questions become about which vaccine do we provide to people so the government is going to have is in process of making some decisions in terms of identifying what kind of distribution network they're going to set up i think day before yesterday the niti aayog had come in and spoken about their plan they have given out a list of uh, cold chains and refrigerators and number of people that they are going to be involving and every district is going to have a task force and uh, they are going to set up a large number of uh, vaccination centers and then they are going to have a system where every center is going to give out 100 people vaccines every day and this kind of things uh, is the plan right now and the plan is still being formed up i think at some level or the other there is still a little bit of uncertainty that you're dealing with uh and one of the larger uncertainties that currently we are dealing with is which vaccine are we going to use so um who tried to get the world together the leaders of the world and nations of the world together in a vaccine uh, purchase program which would be much more equitable in nature meaning that you know poor countries and middle income countries will also get access to the vaccine at the same time that the rich countries in the world will get together but obviously that did not work because uh, every country has been kind of obviously is looking out for itself so you have vaccines that have been pre-booked by a large number of countries right india is among the larger player in that they have booked up uh, i think we have booked up nearly 1.6 1.7 billion vaccines uh already uh, vaccine doses rather not vaccine vaccine doses we have already pre booked that um and it has been spread around multiple players uh, the the major bet that we made is on a company known as novavax whose results of the trial to stage 2 trials have still not been announced so that's that for us the challenge is going to be try to figure out which vaccine is the government going to choose and whether we will allow private players to do things on their own as well so you know you could actually set up two parallel channels where you come back and say okay the government is going to run an immunization program and then then the and they are going to tie up with maybe one or two companies and their vaccines will be made available to the two people who want uh, immunization done through the government program and for the others who are not wanting to do it through the government immunization program they may come back and say okay private players like a pfizer will be allowed to distribute the vaccine also in the country so that's another option that they could probably work up uh this is also going to be a function of cost i mean consider it very simply put this way that uh let's say i think the pfizer vaccine is going to cost us around 20 dollars a shot and it's going to require two shots so that's about 40 dollars some portion of the population that may actually choose not to get themselves vaccinated because uh that income is difficult for them however cheap it may be there will always be people in our country who will be struggling to make ends meet so that's also going to be a problem um and then there is of course a priority queuing that we need to do 
which I'm sure all of you are aware of. First, you put into the uh, uh, vaccinate the nurses and the doctors who are handling COVID patients. Then you start vaccinating people who are working in the hospitals that are handling COVID patients. And then the elderly people, I think uh, the Gujarat, I mean, I think across the country, they've already started surveying for people over the age of 50 with comorbidities and without comorbidities to get a sense of who needs to be prioritized and who does not need to be prioritized. Now, that's a funny thing, isn't it? For example, uh, I know of a gentleman who is uh, 45 years of age, around 45 years of age, and he's a heart patient. He's had a heart attack about two years ago. And uh, he would like to get a hands on the vaccine as soon as possible. But because he's not 50 or above, he's not going to get priority. So he's, his hope is that, uh, you know, the government allows the private sector to start distributing the vaccine through hospitals and whatever be the price for it. I mean, it's going to be yeah, as long as it's under 5,000 rupees, I'm ready to pay that money and I'm ready to get that short priority. Because otherwise, he says he will, I mean, his calculation, which I think is fairly accurate, says that he will have to wait at least till July before, if, if vaccination starts in April, then he will have to wait till about July to get a vaccine. And he says, I've already gone through eight, nine months in complete fear of this because of my comorbidities. I don't want to take that risk. I want to get the vaccine shot as soon as possible. Right. So that does. Uh, and I, I think. There will be many people like that who will be thinking like that as to why should I wait to get the vaccine shot, even though I understand that the elderly require it and all those kind of things. Why should I wait? I should get the shot as soon as possible and I'm ready to pay for it. So it is uh, it is a complex and layered challenge that the government has to figure out. They have to figure out, for example, in a city like Ahmedabad, which has nearly 75 lakh people living, right? If you open up uh, prioritized now, that's a funny thing, isn't it? For example, uh, I know of a gentleman who is uh, 45 years of age, around 45 years of age, and he's a heart patient. He's had a heart attack about two years ago, and uh, he would like to get a hands on the vaccine as soon as possible. But because he's not 50 or above, he's not going to get priority. I, I think there will be many people like that who will be thinking like that as to why should I wait to get the vaccine shot, even though I understand that the elderly require it and all those kind of things. Why should I wait? I should get the shot as soon as possible and I'm ready to pay for it. So it is uh, it is a complex and layered challenge that the government has to figure out. They have to figure out, for example, in a city like Ahmedabad, which has nearly 75 lakh people living, right? If you open up... Uh, a COVID vaccine center, let's say oh, you use your urban healthcare centers that the municipality runs and you say, we are going to start vaccinating here. And we say, we are going to do only 100 people a day. And we are going to give a priority queuing for it as well. Just imagine the challenge in terms of ensuring that happens. How do you make sure that the crowd doesn't turn up there? A crowd of 5,000 people from the neighborhood does not turn up there and say, okay, listen, I am also 50 plus. I also should get the vaccine. How do you do that? So, as much as it is a logistic challenge, it is also going to be a behavior challenge in terms of how do you manage to modulate the behavior of the people. Because till date, most of us have been sitting at home taking precautions, sanitizers, masks, kardhas and multivitamin tablets. I was just reading in the paper today, multivitamin tablets have started selling more than diabetes medicines in our country, which is a first. Now suddenly you tell them a vaccine is available, but now you have to wait six months to get it or five months to get it or three months to get it. Why will I even wait a week? Especially if I can pay for it. 
you know, I'll come back and say, okay, you want to charge 15,000 rupees for two vaccines. I'm ready to pay for it. Why don't we do it in the form of an auction? Right. So don't you think this will uh, create an illegal vaccine cartel in India? This can lead to its creation. It would, it would, it would create a black market for the vaccine if the vaccine was easily available. It would create a black market, but it's not. And given the situation, it will not become easily available. Right? There will always be people who will want access. See, generally speaking, in the world, we live in a resource limited world. All right? There's no unlimited resources in this world. And uh, the inequality that we talk about generally is about access to resource. Who has more resource and who has less resource? Who has more opportunity to access resource and who has less opportunity to access resource? The world is unequal, the world is unfair. And that's where the governments actually come in. The government's job is essentially not to treat everybody equally or rather to treat everybody equally, even when they are not equal by any stretch of imagination. The government's job is actually in, in a certain way, government's job is to be the lawyers for the little guys, the ones who do not have access. Their job is to be protecting them, fighting for them, fighting for their rights. Right. That's what the governments ideally should be doing around the world. There will still always be some leakage. Unfortunately, there will be some leakage. There will still be always somebody or the other wanting to use their connections and their network and their money to get an undue advantage. But I think the government more or less will try to ensure that a priority queuing setup is done and that the priority queuing is maintained. Uh, and that people at risk will receive the vaccine first rather than people with means to the vaccine will receive the vaccine first. So don't you think the country will witness a rise in the COVID-19 cases while the distribution of this uh, takes place? It will. See, I, I mean, I talk to people and people are very happy about the fact that there is a vaccine available, but they're also at some level very unrealistic about how when the vaccine will be available to them. If I, if I look at it that way, by the time my turn comes in to get the vaccine, I'm not expecting it anytime before October of this year. Oh, sorry, next year. October of next year to be my turn to get vaccinated, which essentially means that for another 10 months, I need to be absolutely cautious. Very, very cautious. Very, in, I need to main, ensure not only that I'm uh, taking the precautions that I'm taking right now, but once the vaccination starts, I will need to be doubly precautious because then there will be people who would have received the vaccine not taking any precautions at all. Which means I am at higher risk. They are not, but I am at higher risk. So I will actually have to take double the precautions at that point of time. Yeah. So don't you think it's quite unrealistic on the government's end by giving hope to the people that everyone will receive vaccines? How does the government aim to provide vaccines to people in the rural areas where electricity and water uh, supply, um, the supply of that is still a major issue? It is, it is not easy. Obviously, it's not easy. Healthcare in India itself is not very, very easy. Right? There are enough and more villages in our country which have to walk miles before they actually get a government hospital or a government doctor. Forget a hospital, a government doctor. Right? So it is going to be very, very difficult. And the way I think the government is going to do is the way they would 
probably drive a political campaign probably drive the election campaigns and things like that where you actually go with, with uh, what do you call village by village that's what they will have to do so what they will end up doing essentially is let's say for example uh, you set up a team let's say in sanand for example right talk about gujarat and they set up, set up a team in sanand then this will this will be a mobile team or multiple mobile teams traveling from sanand going to a particular village vaccinating an x number of people and then coming back and then going back again the next day vaccinating the rest and then coming back i think that's how they're going to operate and that's how they will have to operate and this is going to be a huge test for government machinery it's not just about uh, one aspect of of the government working that saying that the health ministry is going to take care of of making sure that we get the vaccine in large quantities that's not alone going to be enough this is going to be a huge huge challenge you will have to get panchayats involved all the way from the bottom up you will have to get every level of government involved in this you will have to educate every one of those people involved in this process about the responsibility that they have and about the challenges that they are up against and about the the manner in which this plan needs to be executed see any idiot with half a brain can come up with a plan the problem is always execution of it and what the government is going to try to achieve in terms of universal immunization of a billion people in a year or less has not been ever done it's an unprecedented challenge it is an frankly 100 years ago it was an unthinkable challenge 50 years ago it was an unthinkable challenge but our government has a decent history in terms of universal immunization programs a decent history polio vaccination is one thing leprosy is another thing that they have countered very strongly tb is another thing that they have countered very strongly so our public healthcare system has handled complex challenges in the past nothing as complex as what we are going to handle in the next 12 months mind you but they have handled complex challenges yeah so the government keeps talk uh, keeps talking about the 5 trillion economy that they want to achieve by 2024 so will they use this pandemic situation the covid vaccine distribution as one of the key factors that will help them uh, achieve that uh, economy out over there to yeah, achieve the 5 trillion mark yeah i don't know i don't know to be honest see uh <clears throat> the the 5 trillion mark which is a very very aspirational mark that you have that the government has set for ourselves and all those kind of things i am not very enamored by that number in itself so what if you are a 5 trillion economy if there are people in our country who still have a uh, problem accessing clean water you know what i mean so i would rather say that the government's focus should be on improvement of the quality of life of people rather than the size of the economy right if my belief is this that the if the improvement of life or the quality of life happens then automatically when people are not worried about where they're going to find their next meal then they're worried about other things and they start finding newer ways of achieving their aspirations uh but if i'm worried about where i'm going to get my next meal from then i'm not really concerned about other aspirations of my life winston churchill's famous quote of saying never let a crisis go to waste when every crisis is an opportunity to change things to do things better uh but as we can see now nearly 10 months later that uh, 
this is a crisis that most people are going to go let go let go to waste we could have changed a lot of things we haven't so so this was a really remarkable conversation so uh, as we are running short of time and we are coming to the end of this amazing session and our conversation with you we would be thrilled to ask you about your personal experiences which have shaped you so far and any life lessons which would uh, which you would like to share with us oh oh that this itself is a very long conversation uh, but uh, so many years ago i was traveling uh and this was in in a train and there was a gentleman sitting opposite me uh who was wearing uh some kind of religious garb and we started talking because it was like a 5 hour train trip and uh i was reading something and then he borrowed the that magazine from me and then he was asking me about i thought i saw you reading this article what do you think about it and that's how the conversation started uh one of the interesting things that he told me that point of time and this was a very senior man maybe in his late 70s at that point of time he was he was sort of alone he said uh, he said to me that i have no uh, family anymore now i am all alone kind of thing uh so anyway what he said was something very interesting was that uh uh he was talking about things in general and we were uh, we were sitting at the window seat so he points out to a lot of agriculture that is happening outside the train right so he says see see every year uh you know the farmer tills the land and hopes for rain or hopes for irrigation from the government or something of like that sort but every year the farmer works hard on the land he has to work hard on the land because otherwise he has got nothing else to do and i kind of was paying I mean, I was paying partial attention to whatever he was saying because this was this sounded more like a a, a general uh, what do you call gyan session, if you will, right? So I was I was maybe twenty two, twenty three, around twenty under twenty five at that point of time. So I didn't really pay too much attention to him at that point of time. But what he said then was very simple. He said, you know, all the farmer does every year is work hard and hope for the best. work hard and hope for the best that's all that the farmer does every year and that's the bare minimum that you're supposed to do so thank you so much sir for this enlightening session we surely got some meaningful insights and uh, we the management club appreciate this session the this discussion we had with you thank you so much for your time and your presence with us thank you so much sir thank you so much guys this was this was great i'm very happy to see that uh, even though we are not on campus right now you are still trying to keep uh, the club active and you are trying to do things that will be uh, interesting and engaging to not just people inside the university but also outside uh, and i wish all of you the very best in to other activities that you are doing at the club i hope uh, all of you and your families are safe and healthy and 